Welcome back to another episode of Agile Way podcast, where we explore challenges organizations face on their Agile journey. How to become great Scrum Master, how to change your leadership style, or how to embrace agility at the organization level. I'm Suzy Shukova, Agile coach, certified Scrum trainer, and author of the great Scrum Master book and Agile leader book, and I'm your host for this podcast. I'm passionate about business agility, organizational culture, and Agile leadership, and that was the reason why I decided to start this podcast, to share with you my experiences and stories from my Agile journey. Welcome everyone, it's my pleasure to host here another episode of Agile Way podcast. Today I would like to welcome here my good friend Alex Slowly. Alex is an experienced Agile coach. We chatted here a little bit before and thought it would be interesting to focus on his journey from becoming a Scrum Master to become an Agile coach. So can you share some insights about that? Yeah, so nice to chat with you, Zuzi. Hey everyone, my name is Alex Slowly. I'm an Agile coach. And I live in Sydney, Australia, but you might be able to tell from my accent that I'm not an Aussie. I'm actually an American and I'm originally from Seattle. And I know Zuzi, uh, we were talking about like what was my journey in becoming an Agile coach. And I was actually uh, a scrum master before I became an Agile coach. And I was something before I was a scrub master too. And I was actually a developer. I was a developer at Microsoft. So I was at Microsoft in Seattle for 15 years. And that's where I actually learned about Scrum as a developer, as a tester. Um, I did other stuff at Microsoft. You know, it's a big company, there's lots to do. And eventually I became a scrum master. And that's when I kind of fell in love with, with my work again. Um, I really gravitated towards the skills and the stuff that a scrum master does. And I, I practiced scrum as a scrum master at Microsoft for about four years before I even became a certified scrum master. So eventually I left and joined a startup. And it was interesting because I was now at a place where when I did stuff as a scrum master, It affected more than just my team or maybe, you know, five or six teams. I was affecting the entire company. So I was working with everyone in the company. I was working with the HR people, the marketing people, account management, testers, devs, everything. And that's when I started to apply all the learnings of being a scrum master to an entire company. All those skills that scrum masters have like facilitating conversations and helping people plan or figuring out strategies and stuff like that. And I did that for quite a while as well. And then I joined a, um, a consultancy uh, and I just started to do that worldwide. I mean, basically all I was doing was going around and helping people be better at agile and the way I did it is I just kind of asked questions and I helped people see possibilities. 
this is kind of like when agile coaching became a thing or started to be a, a thing that we know today, right? That's how I became an agile coach. I was a developer first, and then I became a scrum master, and I'm an agile coach today. I mean, pretty much I do the same thing today I always did. Maybe I do it a little better. Like, uh, I'm good at asking questions because I honestly don't know what's going on, right? So I have to ask questions to figure out what's going on. And uh, that's what a coach kind of does. What is your favorite question? Well, I got lots of favorite questions. Uh, you know, when I first learned about powerful questions, one of the things you were supposed to do was you were supposed to Google like powerful questions and you'd get like a cheat sheet of 25 questions and you'd practice a question one a day for like a day. It was like, like the word of the day, except you were doing the question of the day and you'd practice these questions because powerful questions, you can kind of memorize them and then use them when you think they're appropriate. Um, one of my favorite questions is, how can I help you today? Another one is, you know, in a perfect world, what would that look like? Um, they're usually very open-ended questions. Um, I think, you know, probably the single most powerful question that a coach can ask is why. It's really how you ask why that that really sets you apart. Like you can't just say why, 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 like a five-year-old kid would, you know, why is the sky blue? Well, why this, why that? You have to ask in such a way that it's not annoying. And it also helps the people or the org or the person get to some kind of conclusion eventually. In a perfect world, what would the role of an agile coach looks like? Well, I mean, very little work. I love agile coach roles where I don't actually have to do any work. I was reading, uh, I was reading something the other day about how consultants have all of the care, but none of the responsibility. Coaches are kind of like that in that we care about what's happening. We care about how the client or the team or the people or the org is doing, but we aren't really like accountable or responsible for doing the hands-on stuff, right? So when I think about coaches and myself in particular, I think what I like to have in my coaching life is a lot of slack time. I need time to think. I need time to talk to people. I need time to figure out what questions to ask how to help people. So there's a lot of thinking. It's not like your typical manager type person where your entire day is full of meetings from nine to five, right? You have a nine, nine to 10 meeting, a 10 to 11, 11 to 12, you get 15 minute lunch, and then you're full of meetings the rest of the day. You actually need a lot of slack time when you're a coach because you're kind of just chatting with people and figuring out stuff, thinking about it in your head. Um, when people come to you and ask for help, you have to be able to have that slack in your schedule so that you can respond to their, to their requests for help when they actually ask for it. What was the most difficult for you when you start uh, this journey? Well, the first thing that I like to talk about when I started this journey was the first scrum master I ever met. And, you know, I think all coaches have their story about like when they first learned about agile 
And I remember the first time I ever heard about Scrum was a, from a Scrum master. And she gave like a little half day training course to my team because my team was the like the prototype team. We were the pilot team for our organization. We were going to try this crazy thing called Scrum. And I met a Scrum master for the first time and she gave us a half day training. And at the end of the day, I was like, wow, this lady is crazy. This is never going to work. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Scrum is stupid. No way. You know, and after a couple of sprints, I'm like, well, fine. It seems to be working, but it's still stupid, right? And then maybe, you know, a couple of months, I'm like grudgingly like, all right, you know, okay, it's okay, fine. And then after three months, I'm like, wow, this is actually pretty good. And the funny thing is, is I went through that process myself and I've seen so many people over the years and I've directly witnessed it go through like the exact same thing where they're like discovering what, you know, these new ways of working are, and how it could be beneficial to them. So when I think about the challenges I had, it was just about discovering stuff. Uh, I didn't know what a coach was. And then I discovered coaching, right? It always relied on me learning somehow. And most of my learning happened because somebody helped me along the way. I didn't like learn a lot from like books or I didn't learn from trainings. I, I practiced scrum for four years before I even took a scrum class and became a certified scrum master. Four whole years I did scrum and I didn't even read the scrum guide. The way I learned is I actually did it and then I had someone there who kind of taught me. So to this day, I learn probably the most from other people. And then as you get more experienced and you get more expertise, you kind of have to be open to learning from people who are at your same level or perhaps not as experienced as you, but what they do have is diversity of experience, uh, diversity of knowledge and expertise. So I like to take classes to this day. And one of the things I like to talk about coaches is every good agile coach has a coach. So I still have a coach and I rely on them to help me. It's a lifelong thing learning. It all looks so simple, right? By the way, I have a similar background. I didn't like Scrum. I thought it's a crazy, silly, stupid way of working. And I didn't want to become a Scrum master. It just happened to me, right? And here we yeah. are actually being in part of this community almost forever, right? The most common question I get is where should I start if uh, I'm an agile coach in an organization which actually doesn't want to change? So what is your recommendation for those type of things? Well, I mean, you can't force people to do anything really. I mean, if they really don't want to do it, they won't do it. I mean, you can threaten them. Like, if you don't do this, I'll fire you. But, you know, they might quit anyway. So I guess, you know, my biggest piece of advice would be telling people what to do and forcing them to do it will never, ever, ever work. So it really comes down to how can you help them or build a space where they want your help or they can see the possibilities that you're offering them and they want to pursue those possibilities. 
Um, I think great agile coaches are kind of visionary in that they help the organization see what could possibly be if only they did something about it, right? Um, ultimately, as an agile coach, you need to be eternally an optimist, but also be prepared for the situation where people may never do anything about it. And you have to kind of be okay with that, right? Like if you help them out and they never do anything about it, maybe you need to leave and come back five years later, 10 years later, right? I've definitely had clients where, or teams or orgs where I've planted the seeds and then I leave for whatever reason. And then I'll talk to them like five years later and they'll say, well, we tried these amazing things and they'll tell me amazing stories. But the reason they're amazing is because five years of time has elapsed, right? So they've had plenty of time to experiment and try things just like I did for four years before I got my CSM. Can you share one success story from a company which seems like they don't want to move, but you were able to create that space and that environment. So they actually realized, oh, there is a different thing. And they turn around and start really working a different way. Yeah, I had a... I had a great success story that I'm very fond of because it was a relatively small company. I mean, it was probably only about 500 people and it was in the Midwest of the United States and it wasn't a software company. It was actually like a bio biological supply company. What they did is they actually produce materials for scientists to use in their research projects. And the materials they produce are, is DNA. Uh, like it's like a scientist will go online and request a custom DNA strand and they'll produce the DNA strand, replicate it 20 trillion times and send it in a little vial, which is a drop of DNA and they send it to the scientist for their genetic studies. The reason it was interesting was because uh, it was manufacturing and software and biology all rolled up into the same organization. So software was just a small component. And we created one single scrum team, right? And I basically just did what that original scrum master did for me all those years ago. You give some basic training, you know, in my case, it was a couple of days of training where we you know, go over the basics, the fundamentals, like this is how Scrum works. This is what a planning session is, all that stuff you kind of got to know. And then we spent the next couple of days where I'm helping them build their first backlog using sticky notes. And we're figuring out who the product owner of the team is. And it's really fun when you kick off an individual team at a client and everybody's engaged and you have everybody you need there, right? That's, that's actually can be a quite wonderful experience. And we kicked them off and I left. And, you know, I call them up six months later. How are you doing? What's going on? Well, all this is stuff that's going on. Why don't you come back? We'll do a little more coaching. And well, that went on for about a year. Uh, I went there for a total of like two or three times. I had a couple of other people come to my public courses. The interesting thing is that this one individual team of about 10 people 
was able to change the culture of the entire company, even though it's a relatively small company of a couple hundred people, the board of directors got together and said, this agile thing is working out really great. We're going to make it a pillar of our strategy for the next fiscal year. Amazing success story. You know, they, they tell me stuff like, wow, our productivity is like 500% better. Our employee satisfaction is to the roof. We're going to implement Scrum across the entire org. But the truth of the matter is, is I really just did some basic Scrum training. I did a little bit of hand-holding to help them through that initial start, you know, when you're creating sticky notes for your first backlog, right? But really, they did it all by themselves. So what's the lesson of the story? They did it themselves. That's the lesson. Um, all the best success stories I've ever seen are when they truly commit to actually trying to do something in a new way. And when they actually commit and actually give it a good try, you'll find that you'll probably get pretty good success. It's so fascinating to hear those stories from you, because sometimes I felt like you're speaking about my experience, right? But it's very hard sometimes, right? So people become frustrated, they start putting a pressure in and push people for a change. So what is your advice for those situation where you just can't stand it anymore and feel like they have to change, they have to do something? What will you suggest? First thing I had to do was develop patience, right? I had to be, I had to learn how to be patient. And, uh, you know, I have kids and that was one of the things I had to do to learn to be a father actually was patience with children. I mean, I'm tempted to say, you know, patience with scrum teams is kind of like patience with children um, in that you kind of like, you got you got to give them that time and space to experiment and do things you know are wrong and dumb, but they'll do anyway, but they'll learn a lesson. You try to protect them to a certain extent, right? You don't want them to touch the hot pot on the stove and like burn themselves to death, but you do have to give them the space. So definitely patience. The other one is understanding that ultimately what happens and whether or not anything changes or gets done is ultimately up to the people in the organization and the teams you're helping coach. You kind of have to be neutral and objective to a certain extent. Um, if you get involved and get personally engaged, then you're probably too far involved into the, into the mix, right? You kind of got to give them the space lift yourself up and away and of course you're going to help them but ultimately it comes down to what they're going to do and not what you're going to do and that's a good advice because uh, i see a lot of people who are like working instead of that company that six months after they leave and that the company goes back to their initial habit because the only one who was pushing it forward was actually a contractor slash agile coach so-called right so speaking of yeah. Agile coaches, right, there is a broad, weird, sort of maybe we can call it a community, but maybe it's not that tight, of people who call themselves Agile coaches. So yeah. what do you think uh, is here, what could be done to 
make it more like a profession. And I don't speak about the job title, but I speak about being more coherent. Like, so people would know like what the agile coaching is about, because currently all you have to do is to put that title on your LinkedIn and your agile coach, right? So what would that need to change? So it's a little bit more than that. Yeah. I mean, uh, change your LinkedIn title. Congratulations. You're an agile coach. Well done. You know, I think the first thing we need to do as a community is understand what actually agile coaching is. I think there's a lot of different perspectives on what coaching is and what coaches do. I mean, I didn't know what a coach did or does or who they are, uh, you know, until about 2011. That's when I, I had that watershed moment where I was like, now I know what a coach does because I learned what the word means. But I think if you talk to some agile coaches to this day, they wouldn't be able to tell you or define what an agile coach is. And it doesn't have to be like strict rules, but I think it needs to be fairly well understood in terms of like, what's the vibe of the coach? There's lots of teams right now in the agile community actively working on like definitions of what professional agile coaches do and what they what kind of activities they they have off the top of my head i can think of at least five different groups in the agile community today that are trying to build up definitions and like glossaries and descriptions and activities specifically for what an agile coach does and in fact Think about all the certifications you can get to become a coach, right? You could go get a certification from a variety of different organizations. And some of those organizations aren't even agile organizations, right? Like if you want to go get a certification in ORSC or ICF, right? I mean, there's all kind of stuff out there. So I think it's incumbent on the community itself to define what it is and then get everybody engaged and kind of publicize it and market it. Now, eventually over time, you know, maybe it'll be more formal, right? Um, certain jobs and roles definitely get that formal. Uh, like if you're uh, an attorney or if you're uh, an accountant, there's like certain things you have to learn and it's well-defined and you have to pass a test and, uh, it's not quite that way with agile coaching. But I mean, you could say the same thing about software engineering, right? Can anybody call themselves a software engineer just because they went online and took a really like a 30 minute YouTube course? Of course they could. In fact, tons do. And then they go on to like, you know, uh, freelancer.com and call themselves a developer when they're really not a developer. So I think it's up to the community to define what those standards are, evangelize them, and I don't want to say enforce them, but set some kind of bar and self-enforce, essentially. We speak about coaching, a little bit about facilitation. What else is there that you maybe need to learn yourself, right? I definitely think it helps to if you've been like on an actual agile team like if you're an agile coach you probably should have been on an actual agile team you probably find it helpful that you were a scrum master in the past 
it would probably help if you'd been a product owner or or a developer. I would think that someone who calls themselves an agile coach and they haven't actually been on an agile team would have a really rough time. The reason is, is because they probably have surface level knowledge or they might like memorize like diagrams or they might memorize stuff they read, but until you've actually done it yourself, it's going to be really hard to know what the ins and outs are, what the pitfalls are, what the things that work are. So my general thought is that to be a great agile coach, you should probably serve time in the trenches. And also to be a great agile coach, I think every coach has a great coach. So you should seek out, proactively seek out great coaches in the community who would be willing to help you if only you asked. You should also get engaged with the community. I mean, getting like right now, right here, you and me, there are plenty of people in the community who would love to have whoever's listening on their podcast or to have a coffee with them at a conference and talk about agile stuff. So the more people you can meet and connect with, the more people you're going to learn from and the more diverse expertise and experience you're going to add to your own journey. I can agree with that. I love to talk to people face-to-face preferably. That's what I'm missing, having a drink with them. But you know, we are where we are. We just got a meetup yesterday, by the way. Nice group of people. Anyway, so um, what is missing the most? Your recollection, you have a lot of clients, right? So what is the missing the most in the industry? Like companies are experimenting with agility. They are trying, they're starting and stopping and going backwards and starting again. But what is missing the most in the industry right now? I think one of the biggest challenges I see in any industry is I'm not always sure they understand what they're trying to achieve by going agile, you know, like doing agile, being agile, going agile, transformations, whatever you want to call it. I once got a client because the CEO read about agile in the Harvard Business Review magazine in first class. So they're sitting in first class back in the days when we used to be able to fly. They're reading Harvard Business Review, sipping champagne, and they're like, wow, this Agile thing's great. I got to get me some of that Agile. And they called me up and I helped them out. But I mean, what was their original reason why? It's because the CEO thought it sounded fantastic. I think just like any team or any org, I think you want that vision of where you want to go and why. I do think a great Agile coach can help you figure that out, right? I mean, most coaches I know, including myself, when we meet a client for the first time, sometimes we might have to help them figure out why we should be there, right? Sometimes they themselves don't really know why. They just kind of vaguely know they want some Agile and you kind of have to help them do that. And then when I was talking about the visionary kind of thing that an agile coach might bring, you might have to help them with that vision of what things could be like. Because if you're just there and there's no vision and there's no why, then you don't know what you're going to actually do. You could just try random stuff, see what happens. But 
my experience is that they just won't care, right? In other words, caring about the results and trying the experiments that lead to the results depends on having the why that's meaningful in the first place. And we are back at why, right? Why do you do that? The most uh, important question at the beginning before you do anything at all, right? So where do you see the future of agile organizations? And maybe what is agile organization in your mind first? I think pandemic was interesting in that it kind of forced the world and all of the corporations in the world today to truly understand why it's important to be able to respond quickly to dire circumstances, right? So I do think as a result of pandemic, actually agility will become more important than ever. And if you think about technology and where we're headed, it's becoming daily more sophisticated. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, talking about AI the way we talk about AI today would be, be unheard of. I mean, uh, I, I could not be a developer today, even though I was a developer many years ago, simply because things have changed so much, I wouldn't know what the heck to do. I wouldn't know how to use the tools. It'd be 10 times as fast as anything I did and 10 times as complex. So I think the world is becoming more complex because things are getting so fast. So I think this is just the beginning of where agility is gonna go. I, th I think the children of tomorrow will be like, well, of course we do agile. Of course we're agile. We don't even use the word agile because that's just the way everybody is, right? Uh, I remember when I first started to do a lot of consulting, um, you know, I have this whole thing in my scrum boot camp where I talk about waterfall and why we went to agile. And the reason I had that in the training was because everyone in my class was in waterfall and I had to explain to them, you know, the transition from waterfall to, to agile. But nowadays when I give classes, it's like half of them are like waterfall. What's that waterfall? And I'm like, yeah, there was this thing years ago called waterfall. And they're like, wow, tell us more grandpa because like they don't even know you know what the heck waterfall is i think it's going to be more like that in the future i can clearly see you're optimistic right so that's a good sign i have a last <laughs> question <laughs> i have a last question for you what is the future of agile coaching yeah i definitely think we're going to have more agile coaches i don't see a future where there are no agile coaches but perhaps we might be called a different thing. You know, maybe, maybe agile coaches have always existed. And I think agile coaches always have existed through time and the tens of thousands of years humanity has been around. Back when we were cavemen and cave women, agile coaches were probably like, like witch doctors or shaman, right? And now we're consultants. I, I don't think it's going away the title may change. And all those techniques you learn as a coach have been around for thousands of years. The reason we ask why is to figure out stuff. Well, 
if you want to go back to Socrates, that's Socratic questioning. That's literally like 2000 BC. So I think we'll just continue to use those fundamental human level skills that we've always used. But I think it will be more understood, more explicit, more in the public. I mean, 20 years ago, um, if you were riding in a cab and you use the word agile, the person driving the cab, the cabbie would have no idea what you're talking about. Agile, I don't know what the heck they're talking about. But now if you rode in an Uber and you mentioned the word, if you tell the Uber driver you're an agile coach, I, I've done this. Sometimes the Uber driver will be like, wow, I know what that is. I've got like five agile coach friends, right? And I'm like, wow, how much has the world changed when you can just get into a random car and the driver knows what agile is? It's crazy, right? So thank you very much for being here with me on this podcast. My pleasure, Susie. It's always nice to see you and to talk to all the people out there in the podcast universe. In a summary, Agile coaches need to be able to work with everyone in a company, including marketing, finance, strategy, helping people to be more agile, helping to see the possibilities. You need to be neutral, don't get involved, and personally engaged. Help them but not do it instead of them. That's often hard. Ask why. What is the reason behind it? Have a vision on where do you want to go? Coaches need a slack time to think, to talk to people, figuring out stuff. They need to be good at asking questions, be optimistic and patient, and also be ready for situations where they can't do anything except planting a seed and come back maybe five years later. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Agile Way podcast hosted by Zuzi Shakova, author of the Great Scrum Master book and Agile Leader book. If you love listening to this podcast, please leave us a review. If there is any topic you are particularly interested in and would like to hear another episode on it, let me know. For more information about me and my Agile classes, visit our website sochova.com S-O-C-H-O-V-A dot com Thank you for listening.